Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count. With Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Let's join this week's conversation. Well, welcome to Mortification of Spin. My name's Carl Truman. I'm here with my usual co-hosts, Todd Pruitt and Amy Bird. And today's topic arises out of a recent uh, new uh, job that Todd has taken on. Yeah. He has become the honorary PCA chaplain of the National Furry Convention. Mm. Todd, I believe you were in D.C. recently, uh, uh, extending pastoral love and care and advice to, to the furries. Mm. You know, I, I have begun uh, i'm starting a new phase in my life where i'm wondering why all these terrible things happen to me i uh, i i decide to get away for a couple of days uh, take my wife to to washington dc area our daughter lives in the area we're just gonna have a nice time together we're gonna see our daughter we're gonna have some good food and and have fun and and uh, as we're pulling into the uh to the parking area that w- where you check in at, at the hotel i i see what i think at first hope i'm, I'm hoping that it is uh, some team's mascot standing out um, in that area. And then I see another one show up, and then three more, and then four more. And Karen's, my wife, bless her heart, she's a lot more innocent than I am. She's looking around and saying, what is this? And I already know because I've read the articles um, that I have. Of, of, I think there's somewhere in the, in the neighborhood of a trillion and a half um, hotels in the Washington, D.C. area. And I book the one that's hosting the big furries convention. It's come uh, for that for that weekend. And I, I walk into the hotel shaking my head. My wife is videoing me from the car because she thinks it's so funny. Oh, we need and, this video. We and need they, this video. And, and there are hundreds, uh, I tell you, hundreds gathered in that large um, hotels uh, lobby and 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 that 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 kind of thing and. And I walk up to the um, uh, to the guy who, who's at, t- you know asked me to come up and, and register, and I said, um, "What's um, what's going on here this weekend?" And he looks at me and smiles. He's from another part of the world, and he said, "They call themselves furries," <laughs> and and and, he, and then he laughed. Wasn't Sinclair Ferguson? Was it? <laughs> no, no, it, it wasn't Scottish. It was from another, a different one. Well, they well, maybe them, Derek Thomas. <laughs> they, they, they called they called themselves furries, and um, and we both had a laugh at that. So oh, yeah, so God. I spent I spent the weekend dodging you know reindeer and salamanders and I gotta tell you, it made and my that kind of thing. I was I was at Richmond, Virginia, having a great time doing a conference, and then I get the text from you yeah. mm-hmm. with all yeah. the saying this is where you were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I may, maybe I'll have to post some photos to the to the website. I might have to post some photos. I, I think so. I yeah. Think, yeah. yeah. So if if uh, if you don't have much to report, then as the PCA, <laughs> well, my wife, my wife, having no idea what this was, uh, begins to look it up on her phone and finds an article from Psychology Today um, <laughs> on on the phenomenon and uh, was was quite interested in the whole thing. But of course, we, we know that you were dressed as a clown when you met. <laughs> well, sure, so sure, tiny. exactly. <laughs> well, well, the thing, one of the things I asked the guy who checked me in, I said, now, look, I, I'm, 
I mean, there's hundreds of them here. I said, am I, you know, are we going to be kept up late at night? Is there going to be howling and barking and, and that sort of thing? But, but there, there wasn't that we could tell. So that was uh, good. Good, good. <laughs> so, so what, what other topics are we going to discuss? <laughs> well, how, how, how about we do this? Um, uh, maybe a quick take on, on this one. Um, Lifeway, which is um, a large division of the Southern Baptist Convention, um, uh, publishes, you know, their, their discipleship materials and then um, had a, uh, a large complex of Christian bookstores around the country, the Lifeway stores. Um, uh, they, they've all shut down. That was just announced, I think, yesterday that they were shutting down their last stores, which, which is not uh, real shocking. I mean, it's hard to find a Christian bookstore anywhere. Yeah, I, don't, I yeah. can't think of the last time. I was in one in I Richmond. One. In, in Richmond? Wow. I'm, I'm, I mean, I just, you just don't see them uh, anymore. I mean, that's the bigger trend. I think, I think Barnes and Noble, you know, is just hanging on um, just due to the fact that they, I mean, you know, now they're selling, you know, Legos. They've got their own kind of e-reader, which um, I think was helping to keep them afloat for a little while when those were hot. Um, they're, they're, they're selling Legos and puzzles. I think they're going to start selling groceries any day now, but what, what, what are our thoughts about the, the, the vanishing uh, bookstore? It's, yeah, it's, it's an interesting phenomenon. I mean, I grew up in a small, small town in the UK where there was one bookshop and it wasn't a very good one. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted a book, they almost certainly didn't have it. And then it would take three weeks for them to get it for you if they yeah. could get it. So there's part of me that, that very much appreciates the ease of access we now have via the internet. Definitely. Books. If I need to get a book, I just ordered a Thomas Wayne Andy book the other day, mm-hmm. sitting on my desk in front of me in the past. Right taken me three, four weeks, if they could be bothered to find it. Mm-hmm. So I, I very much appreciate the, the online shopping. On the other hand, you do lose that serendipitous aspect of, uh, that a bookshop right. provides you with. You're, you're looking for one book, you're rummaging along the shelves, and you find another book maybe you didn't even know it existed. Uh, and it's interesting title. You buy it, it expands your horizons. I know that places like Amazon have their algorithms that mean, you know, if you like, if you read this, you might like that. Mm-hmm. But an algorithm is not the pure chaotic chance that can land something really nice in your lap in a bookshop. And, yeah. uh, and that I think uh, uh, I would miss. Yeah. Not that I've been in a Lifeway store for many years now. And I think what you've said, Todd, is yeah, I used to work at Westminster Seminary and the Westminster Seminary bookstore now really only has virtual existence. I think right. the books are stored by somebody else and the guys at Westminster essentially curate a website yeah. and get things for people uh, yeah. when they're approached. But the loss of a, a physical bookstore does mean a loss of that, that serendipitous yeah. aspect of shopping that can so often uh, expand your mind. Uh, yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's two, I mentioned Washington, D.C. Every time I'm in Washington, D.C., there's at least two bookstores that I always go to. They're both independent bookstores. One's called Kramer Books and the other one's called Politics and Prose. And they're great uh, bookstores. They have, you know, sections for used books and, and whatnot. And, and they're doing great. Um, in fact, it was interesting. I, I read an article recently that said that, so, that there's been a, a bit of a, a comeback for some of the local independent bookstores. And part of it interestingly enough, is due to Amazon because, you know, I get 90, 96% of my books from, from Amazon because I can, you know, sit, you know, I get it in two days, free shipping. Um, 
but um, I bu most of those I buy through Amazon as used books. Well, guess where Amazon gets their used books? Yeah. From local independent yeah. booksellers. Yeah. And, so they, and so some of these local independent booksellers have seen a huge uptick mm -hmm. in their sales because of Amazon, because so many people now um, are buying you know, used books in great condition through Amazon who uses third-party sellers. Interesting. So, yeah, yeah. So it's actually uh, it, it, there's actually an uptick um, or 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 a new surge of business for the smaller um, independent bookshop. Yeah. So that's a good thing, I think. Yeah. yeah. Amy, do, do you ever read books? Yeah. I read books sometimes. <laughs> I also smell books, and that's one thing that I love about yes. it. It's like the smell when you walk in is mm -hmm. one of the best smells ever. Yes. So, I mean, that is something that you know our children are not going to experience the same level that mm -hmm. I got to and I'm sad about that mm -hmm. and even like when I go to the eye doctor in the mall I walk through the Barnes and Noble just to smell Barnes mm -hmm. and Noble you know yeah. but yeah. Um, also I think it changes the way that we we find books like Carl was saying but um the people the mediators kind of finding books for us kind of in a librarian function in a way but in a bookstore I you can often, um, the people who work there or the people that you're talking to there, um, you discover books that way. And now I think, you know, the way we discover our books is, is definitely also um, disembodied. It's online. It's through reviews online and blogs. And, and those are good things. But, and I saw a tweet, though, that was pretty funny that uh, you know, everyone's lamenting the closing of Lifeway retail stores, but they said, you know, we might be really losing 12 good books. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's been asked. And it's been asked, it's been asked if, if maybe the demise of Christian bookstores in general, uh, Lifeway being, being one of them, you know, is due to the fact that so many Christian bookstores just carried garbage. Well, yeah. the, the fact is, um, they, they carried the best selling Christian books, yeah. books, which are mostly garbage. Yeah. Um, I, I the, the point is, is that there's, there's no point at all to go to Lifeway or any other Christian bookstore and pay 29 bucks for a piece of garbage when you can get it through Amazon for $18. Yeah. But, but when you're looking for Joel Osteen's your best life now, you might serendipitously find Sarah Young's Jesus calling. True. You know, there, True. there are all kinds yeah. of, Benefit exactly. To, exactly. To yeah. Um, I always made a distinction. I make this distinction with Christian publishers as well. That yeah, people who write books that are worth reading, generally speaking, the books that are worth reading aren't going to sell. They're not making the money for the right. publishers. So I've sort of accept the fact that Christian publishers publish a proportion of what I would call harmless garbage that <laughs> does sell, mm -hmm. that allows them to subsidize the books. That are actually worth reading, like the books I write. If I can exactly, I'm always <laughs> worth reading. <But laughs> That's right. Harmless is, garbage. I like that. Yeah. The problem is, it's the harmful garbage. Right. right. Yeah. Too many publishers and mm -hmm. too many uh, bookshops actually aren't simply subsidising good stuff with harmless garbage. Right. They're actually subsidising with harmful garbage, yeah. and that's a problem. Garbage yeah. does yeah. make dumber. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And now uh, the, the, the question is, is that with the closing of Christian bookstores, okay, we know that we can go and get the harmless and harmful garbage still on Amazon for cheaper. My question is, where am I going to get my Jesus potpourri pots? Um, I know. You know, 
know where I'm going to find my next coffee mug with a scripture verse on it. Uh, exactly. Or a pack of testaments. Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, you're going to get that stuff. Yep. Now. Or a Bible bar that follows the recipe from the book of Daniel. Where am I going to get those? Oh, you could Nobody try uh, that. I think the headquarters of Great Commission's publications in Atlanta. <laughs> might be able to help you for, for those of you that don't know what Carl was referring to there, I am not going to uh, uh, to, to illuminate that any further. Hey, okay. I, indicted, yeah. I indicted both yours and my denomination in that. Oh, that's true. We share that. We share that, don't we? Yeah. Yes. Good point. Good point. Okay, so so next. What's that? One more thing. Yeah. That local bookstores are good at is pointing you to local authors. And so that's something that I'll miss. I remember like even in college, when I first walked into the Christian bookstore there, there was a table of just local authors and that's right where I went. And I Mm. think that's a really neat, you know, you can't do that on Amazon. Yeah. But the local authors are always the worst ones. Yeah. Particularly in Frederick, Maryland. (laughs) You don't want to, you don't want to bump into the local authors there. <laughs> Let's protect ourselves from that. <laughs> okay, so topic number two, issue number two. Um, Matthew 18. Matthew 18, and, and most people will know what I mean when I say Matthew 18. That, that portion of Jesus' teaching in Matthew 18, where he calls for us when sinned against to go to that person who sinned against us, bring it up to them, seek their repentance. If they refuse to hear you, uh, then you take it, Jesus says, to the church. You take it to the gathering. You, you, you let them know. Now, Matthew 18 is woefully underpracticed, as we know. We would rather go and complain about a person rather than going to them and saying, look, uh, what you did um, was sinful or what you did harmed me in a way that I'm, that I'm not going to just be able to gloss over. So we need to talk about that. Um, it is woefully underpracticed, and we all know that. And that's, that's an issue worth discuss, discussing. But the other thing that, that happens in regard to Matthew 18 is the uh, uh, woefully bad uh, application of it, where it is used to silence um, any expression of concern or dissent or disagreement uh, with public error, uh, meaning uh, someone of influence or someone in a, in a public way says something or does something that is in error or is heretical or, or shames the church and damages the witness of the church, and this is public, it's scandalous, and you can mark it down. When somebody calls that person to repent or points out their error, they're, you know, shut down. What about Matthew 18? Have you gone to this person? Um, what do we say uh, when, when uh, so I'll, I'll give you a for instance. I'll give you a for instance. Um, we, we saw recently the demise of uh, the ministry of James McDonald at Harvest Bible Chapel. And that poor church now is going through a terrible, terrible time because of the misdeeds of their pastor and the lack of oversight and godly leadership from the elders of that church. I saw on a, a, a Twitter feed, um, somebody post an article critical of James McDonald on this thing. And sure enough, somebody chimed in and said, have you contacted James McDonald about this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, it was comical. It was comical. I think sometimes I, I've said, 
if patriotism is the first refuge of a scoundrel, I think Matthew 18 can be the Christian equivalent of that. Yeah. It's often the first refuge of a scoundrel. The text is clearly speaking about private sin. So when you're dealing with, with public sin or public opinions, somebody said something from a pulpit, somebody's written a book, written an article, written a blog post, even put something up on Facebook. I, I mm -hmm. think at that point, you're dealing with, with public sin, at, at right. which point we might say that speaking to that person privately may be prudential in certain circumstances, mm -hmm. but it's certainly not biblically mandated. Right. And as you say, so often the, the reaction of have you used Matthew 18 is actually a way of the person who's committed the sin trying to shift the moral focus and the moral blame onto those who are, are calling them out. It's, right. it's a massively abused passage. Yes. Uh, and of course, when you read the passage in context, it's clearly talking about some kind of ecclesiastical process there as right. well. Uh, you know, I may have problems with James McDonald because his teaching is impacting people in the church that I'm involved in, but James McDonald is not part of my church. Right. So actually, I have no ecclesiastical recourse to deal with the issue anyway. So right. I, I think in my experience over the last few years, I'd say almost nine times out of ten, when somebody shouts Matthew 18, they are misapplying the clear teaching yes. of the scriptures at that point. You know, look at Paul's letters. I'm not sure that Paul has personally contacted everybody he takes a shot at. Alexander uh, the coppersmith, I'm sure he... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so I, I think it's a very, it, it, you know, my antennae are on high alert when Matthew 18 is mentioned right. on the grounds of, if we're not dealing with a private sin here known only to two or three people, Matthew 18 doesn't apply, albeit the principles it outlines might still be prudentially applicable mm -hmm. should one choose mm -hmm. to apply yeah. them. Yeah, if you're able to contact that person, yeah, you know, and, and that's, and, and, I, and I would go you one further. I would say that in the case of public scandal and public error, it is, I would say, I'm not going to say always the case because I can't imagine every single scenario, but typically it's right for there to be a public response in order to hopefully minimize the harm it does to people. So for instance, when you have, Mark Driscoll, uh, you know, melting down at, at, at Mars Hill and that whole network of churches falling apart. You know, there needs to be pastors and other Christians speaking out publicly in response to that. If nothing else to say, that is not who we are. Mm. That is not who we are. He does not represent the typical pastor in a typical church. That is not what most pastors are. I think those kinds of public responses are not only um, uh, uh, um, allowable, but in many cases necessary. Mm -hmm. I mean, and you know, if you can, if you have a personal relationship with this person and you have an opportunity to go mm -hmm. to them and say, hey, I think that you might be publicly teaching an error here. Yeah. Um, of course, that would be a great, a great way to try to restore them uh, mm -hmm. personally. Yep. Or, but they would still have to publicly respond. Exactly. And what gets me is when, when it is like a published writing or something like that. Um, and here I've had that happen with me. Like I'll critique content from a book and a public teaching and people will say, have you gone to this? <laughs> and um, as an author <laughs> who has plenty of Amazon reviews for my books on Amazon, 
you know, th- those reviewers don't have to personally contact me before they critique my book. Yeah, right. um, that's just the way it goes. It's published right. material. Um, now, you it would be sinful to um, slander me right. or you know, assign um, motives to my work and things like that. But people don't do that. No, never. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I could imagine a situation where if I said something inappropriate or Todd had taught something inappropriate. I very much doubt that either of us would go straight to a blog right. or a newspaper uh, to, to slam the other one. We'd, we'd right. use the basis of our friendship to give the other one a call and say, hey, I think you were kind of a bit out of line. You need to withdraw this and uh, uh, or you need to, to rephrase that. So, uh, But even then, I don't think Todd would be sinning right. if I said something that I shouldn't have said. And he did go public. It may not be the most advisable way to do it, but say if I deny the resurrection in writing and, and Todd responds by slamming me on his blog, I don't think he's sinning doing that if he's not contacted me in the first right. place. Yeah. Public I, action can be responded to in a public manner. Yeah. The OPC Book of Discipline, I don't know if, uh, if the PCA is the same, Todd, but m- makes this point that public sins don't require Matthew 18, says that it may right. be advisable and, 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 and that might be going the extra mile. It might be a good thing to do, but it's not procedurally required for a charge to move forward in the courts of the church right. if the sin is a public sin, if Matthew 18 has not been followed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember um, this has been a couple of years ago, and um, Andy Stanley down in Atlanta had had preached a series of very troubling sermons, nothing new for him. and. Um, uh, Michael Kruger from uh, RTS um, Charlotte wrote a very, very good and thoughtful and clear um, response. And of course, Kruger believed that it was important to do that because Andy Stanley is the pastor of the second largest church in the country, highly influential. And some of the things he said were were very problematic. And so Kruger, Dr. Kruger, um, posted on his blog a a a response and I and I linked to that on on Facebook encouraging people to read it because I know people who are influenced by Andy Stanley and and sure enough someone said have you reached out to Andy Stanley yourself <laughs> and I said oh the pastor of the second largest church in the country yeah I'm, I'm sure he is easy to get a hold of you know and I, I, I made mention of that I said are you kidding me how do you contact him well you should still give it a try all right. Okay. Thanks. That was that was helpful. I'll I'll get Andy on the horn here in just a second. You got but, a but, speed dial, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. But that you know, some people just aren't reachable for one thing. But um, to Carl's point, where there is a personal relationship, you know, when it comes to guys like Andy Stanley or James McDonald or or or, or guys who've had either a problem with their teaching or a problem with their character or both, um, you do hope and you do pray that there's somebody. Um, decent, close to them, who can go to them personally. I can't go to those guys personally, but I can try to correct their error publicly so that fewer people will maybe be influenced by it. Mm. And, I, and I think that that's a responsibility. Um, error, public error has to be uh, confronted publicly. And that's not divisive. The person who's, who's committing the error is guilty of divisiveness. Yeah, yeah. And even if it's something that, um, you know, it might not be this huge error, it might be merely something, let's say you disagree on, let's say you mm-hmm. have an interpretation um, and, and you're writing about that. Like if somebody does that with my writing and they're actually engaging with the content of my writing, um, 
you know, I can look at that as a compliment sometimes too, because here's a person who's actually reading and engaging with my writing and has enough respect for it to want to uh, show where they are in, in that conversation and um, have a conversation mm-hmm. about it. I think that that can be very respectful and even a compliment because a lot of authors, they do, they write to, to continue a discussion mm-hmm. and to, you know, to offer their, you know, their research on it and their thoughts on it. So um, often people will think that it's a bad thing to disagree. Right. Even No, it's, it's, it's what it's, it's the, it's the lifeblood of the academic community, of course. Mm. Mm. I mean, I always say this to students uh, at college when they write papers for me. You don't have to agree with my what I'm saying. If you disagree with me, give me an argument because I don't have any vested opinion in holding an incorrect view mm. of anything. Mm-hmm. If I'm wrong, I'd like to be shown that I'm wrong. Don't tell me I'm wrong. Show me I'm wrong. And that applies, I think, in this, in this wider sphere, that not all criticism is personal. Yeah. Uh, Right. And not all criticism involves necessarily saying that somebody's sinful either. You can say that right. somebody's wrong. We've got friends who are Baptists who think they're wrong on their view of baptism, but to mm-hmm. criticize their view of baptism is not to say they're defective Christians in right. some Right. And it's interesting, Amy, you know, in terms of, well, well, both of you, actually, Carl and Amy, both because you've, you've, you write beyond just blog posts, you actually write books. Um, one of the things I've noticed in seeing how people respond to both of you is that, you know, you'll have two kinds of responses, disagreeing responses. You'll have those that are, as you said, Amy, you know, respectful and actually interested in, in unpacking an idea. Hey, did I read you right here? I, I don't think I agree with that. You, you have that kind of response. And then, then you have the kind of response that's just straight up unchristlike and mean spirited and, and I would go so far as to say some of the responses I've seen are downright wicked and, and unfitting for, uh, for a Christian response to error. There's, there's a, and, and, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a way, if, I, if I'm convinced you're in error about something, there's a way um, to go about doing that, particularly if, if we're in the same crew, the same denomination, or the same kind of corner of Christendom, a, a group of Reformed Christians, Presbyterians. Um, as opposed to, say, uh, some crazy independent uh, Pentecostal group. But, you know, if, 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 if my sister, who's part of my denomination, writes something in a book that I disagree with it, there's a, there's, there's a way to disagree with that and still um, be Christ-like. Mm-hmm. And there's all kinds, as you were saying, and there's all kinds of ways to disagree unChrist-like, And we see that as well. And even knowing the line of where, um, okay, we disagree on this, maybe even strongly. Mm-hmm. Um, can we sharpen one another? And, and going from that to, you know, and if these are second doctrinal issues, you know, mm-hmm. not primary doctrinal issues, they're not against our confessions of our of Reformed faith, um, to this person is now dangerous to our denomination and mm-hmm. you know, all these different mm-hmm. accusations. Um, I, I do think that arguments do become very personal and also – Given the, given the whole social media environment, it's really easy to start labeling people um, in different ways that um, are unfair. Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's, a, there's a clear difference between a, um, a prudent, necessary, um, public rebuke to false teaching and how do I respond to someone who's clearly a brother or sister in Christ who in this book writes something I disagree with. There's two different ways to go about responses because those are two different situations. 
and hopefully we can be wise enough uh, to do them well. Well, thanks so much for joining us for Mortification of Spin. Um, it's been good to hang out with you today. Uh, support your local bookstores if you get a chance. Uh, order used books from Amazon. That's always fun. And keep posting critical articles of Andy Stanley. I think that's what we've come out with. So uh, thanks for joining us. If you'd, if you'd hop over to our website, mortificationofspin.org, uh, you'll find all kinds of uh, fun stuff that you can uh, continue to read and, and listen to. Um, we are a listener-supported uh, podcast, and uh, if you are so inclined, we'd love to, uh, for, for you to think about making a financial uh, contribution. Uh, so that uh, the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals can continue to produce this kind of content. Look forward to talking to you next time. If you go down to the woods today, you're sure of a big surprise. If you go down to the woods today, you better go in disguise. For every bear that ever there was We'll gather there for certain Because today's the day The teddy bears have their picnic Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin A podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals Visit the podcast page and blog at mortificationofspin.org, where we'll have links and other articles from Amy, Carl, and Todd. And while you're there, please subscribe and consider making a donation. And be sure to listen next time when Carl, Todd, and Amy talk about... If God is not self, self-existent and self-sufficient, and if He's not life in and of Himself, instead if He's a God who who depends on us in some way, well, that actually changes how we view salvation in the gospel. We'll talk to you next time on Mortification of Spin. I didn't get to introduce myself. It's good to meet you, Matthew. Oh, sorry, the token woman. We forgot. There is Amy. I'm going to give you a token something in a minute. She was was just here so we can get the government money. (laughs) It's a a Title IX thing. You wouldn't understand. But anyway.